Welcome to the Working Dog Depot podcast with your hosts, Rich Harden and Howard Young. Howard Young, it is so good to see you again, as always. Got to see your beautiful bride earlier and always good to see her, even though she can't keep an agenda. And we'll uh, we'll make sure that goes on air and uh, for, the, for the first one, because that's just going to make me laugh. Inside joke, follow along later for uh, for more tips and on Lisa's agenda. But uh, <laughs> I got to say that we're probably two of the biggest procrastinators that uh, have ever existed. So a year and a half later, here we are sitting down once again for a uh, uh, to start a podcast. I uh, think a year and a half is a conservative estimate. It conservative is. Estimate. Really? It's probably been easily two years. So we, we talked at the last Tennessee seminar. I remember sitting in the hotel room and that might have been even longer. so it's definitely been in the works and i think some of it is you know because life happens and we've uh been planning to do it but now we actually have some skin in the game so it looks like it's gonna it's gonna happen i i think so as well well i you know there's nothing better than getting together with people that you truly respect and love and having some great conversations with some of our friends and you know and making new friends along the way I'm excited about that, probably more than anything. Yes, I agree. So under the old format, we had five to six episodes that we did with various people. Again, all people that we we love. And obviously those things, most of those are very dated. But it did give us an opportunity to kind of experience interviewing people and uh, gathering information. But we will come back and revisit them. But there is one episode that is probably timeless. And and if you could tell us a little bit about that one, and we'll because we'll be rolling into that. Yeah, I think I think once this goes and people understand, you know, who we are and what we're trying to do, the podcast we did with Mitch Myers, I think I agree completely that it that it is timeless. And again, just sitting down and talking with a with a really good friend, and, and that's what it's like. It's just like conversations with old friends, and I think that's a a podcast that people will enjoy. Gives his experience starting in the Navy program and and then moving on from there and becoming a trainer in that same program some of his experiences overseas, some cool things that he can talk about at length. And it was a really, really good conversation. I miss that guy. It's, it's fun to, we have a group text every now and then about mowing yards and showing each other stripes in our yards, which <laughs> it, it, it cracks me up every time they come across. Definitely but, uh, man stuff. Absolutely, absolutely man stuff for sure. But uh, I think we'll, we will roll into that one next and I hope, hope folks enjoyed that as well. So well, I don't know that I've ever really asked you how, how did you get involved in all this? How did you get involved in dogs, period? Well, that's a great question. Years ago, probably 1995-ish, I guess, police officer in small county. And uh, there was a canine officer there, Jeff, Jeff Franklin. That's how Jeff and I met. He asked me to run a track for him one night. He worked for a small city. I worked for the county. And we just the dispatch center covered both agencies. So that's where everybody at night would kind of congregate when it was slow or go to the bathroom, that kind of thing. And he asked me to run a track for him, and I did, and I was hooked. And uh, he and I became, you know, really good friends, and I learned a lot of valuable training things from him and worked with him and for him. And my love for dogs from there on, I was hooked, going to seminars and uh, trainings and just, I just haven't stopped yet, you know, 20, what's 27 years later. Mm. I guess that's how long it is. It's been, been a minute or two. Yeah. But that's how I got started, and I just I just couldn't quit. <laughs> you know. Well, it was, it was interesting because, you know, I worked for a small agency. They didn't have a dog. Jeff helped me find a nice Labrador, a single-purpose detection dog. I went to uh, 
Von Lick's handler school with him. Uh, Ken didn't normally let other dogs that he hadn't trained in. He gave us a little field test when we got up there, said, okay, you can stay. And the rest is history. You know, great dog taught me a lot about dogs in general, how much work it actually is to be a really good canine officer and not just a cop of the dog in the back of your car. Mm-hmm. Very challenging dog, a lot of fun, found a lot of dope and had a, had a really nice time with him. That's awesome. Yeah. And then from there, I just never really stopped training dogs. I started a, a little obedience business on the side as I was a police officer. I kept my hand in the game. And when I retired, obviously, I was able to go work with, for a Cobra Canine, a part of that Navy contract that they, they have, mm-hmm. and train dogs up there for that group. And what a great experience, you know, it, you know, 20-some years later to put that feather in your cap and be able to train dogs at one of the highest levels around was uh, a blessing and just a, a really good time. Yeah, that's awesome. It was fun. Really, really a fun time. Met a lot of good guys and uh, trained a lot of dogs. I bet. Absolutely. Well, what about you? Uh, I mean, you've been on several podcasts and <clears throat> some folks listening may know you, but how'd you get started? Well, we had German Shepherds when I was growing up, but they were they were pets and I really wasn't particularly interested in them. They were they were just our household pets. They, of course, they were outside dogs and the my first it's really cut this one's kind of strange my first experience with actually any obedience training at all was uh we had a german shepherd that had been given to us by some german friends of ours the dog had actually allegedly killed some livestock in virginia and they needed a place to to send it we were living in pennsylvania and uh it's a death sentence for a dog in virginia so they reached out to us and we took the dog in the dog's name was fritz and he was a real working German Shepherd, believe it or not, at least back during that period, that time period, very dog aggressive. My dad was taking him to some group obedience classes and uh, he had to go out of town on a business trip. I was 16 years old, didn't have my license for very long. And he told me that I was taking Fritz in his stead to obedience class. Well, that was, as you could possibly imagine, that was a problem about fire. It was terrible. Old Fritz had a prong collar, which he needed desperately. There was a Doberman in the class that wanted to to go head to head with him. And I didn't hardly know my left from my right. But those that was my first experience, probably the first time I ever understood what the word heel meant. (laughs) But from there, that just, I guess, in some respects, that planted a seed is as awkward as that situation was. But when I got out of college, I wanted to get a dog. And my interest at that time was Rottweilers. And I did end up with a Rottweiler, had a couple Rottweilers, actually. And there is a gentleman in a neighboring county that was training police dogs and also protection dogs. So I took Gretchen there, female Roddy. And lo and behold, she actually had some of the qualities that you know, were necessary to make a protection dog. So I started doing some bite work with him and the situation arose that uh, he needed decoys. He needed people to help not only with protection dogs, but police dogs. So I started getting involved decoying and that really, I caught the bug. I mean, I think the first time I saw somebody catch a dog on a sleeve, I I just thought I got to do that. And I, from at that point, I was I was really hooked. And really, I mean, without going into a lot of details, one thing led to another, and I eventually got to a point where some of the officers in, a, in our area were coming to me for prob- solving problems or helping to pro- solve problems, and I was offered a position to 
be the, the canine trainer for our local town, which was really unheard of at the time. It just, it's not something that would typically take place, but I was just really fortunate. I think the chief at that time saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. And he just gave me an opportunity of a lifetime. And that was almost 30 years ago. <laughs> so ever since, uh, I still do that position. I retired from my primary job, which was education this past February. So now it's really, I say it's full-time dogs, but it's not, I'm not working full-time. It's, it's pretty much part-time, but I also have a couple agencies now that we have contracts with. I am able to travel some and, uh, do some seminars and podcasts and really doing the, th the things that I that I want to do before I get too old and decrepit. I don't decoy nearly as much as I used to just simply because I've got a good bit of back pain and shoulder pain, but I still love to teach it. I still love to do it. I think it's just one of those things that once you get the bug, it's you, you've got it, but it is kind of interesting. I think that you also I'm finding that detection is much more uh, appealing now <laughs> than it well, used to be. You know, I've, I've always loved bite work, but I've always said that detection is, is an art. You read the dog, you're able to, you know, the, the dog, there's so many little nuances within detection and learning those nuances really make you a really good trainer because you you see all these changes in behavior. You, you know, the tail wag, the even the different way a head will move up or down or sideways, depending on the, which dog, when they get into odor, you know, the, the big head turns and going back to odor, that's great to put on a video. You know, you watch a lot of YouTube or uh, uh, YouTube or Facebook or Instagram videos and you see that, but that subtleness of that dog and that, that little bit of switch or that head that was going sideways. Now it's going up and down because he's really in, in into, you know, using his nose and, I love watching that kind of stuff, and I think that makes you such a good trainer. And I really, I've always loved detection, and you know, and that's how you and I met. That's exactly right. You know, the, going to that uh, seminar in Tennessee, what, fifteen, maybe seventeen years ago now, I guess. It was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah always look so much. We look forward to that so much. I always said it was like old home week. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you, you went down there and saw all the people. You know, it, it was interesting from the first year that we taught there. You know, you know, three, four, five years later to see the development of the guys and the dogs and watching the, their improvements and just becoming friends with a lot of those guys. You know, you just it's, just, it's a sad thing that that seminar is uh, going away, it looks like. It, it certainly is. It, we've maintained some really good friendships from from those connections, for sure. Well, we just on your 60th birthday, we had a, a, a few of us there all together that met all at the same place. Absolutely. No itinerary, but it was good. Yeah, you know, your wife once again felled us in the itinerary. <laughs> She's going to kill us, isn't she? Absolutely. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Well, well what, what's okay. new? I know you're. Uh, I know you're training uh, some for some agency, and, and if, for most folks, if you don't know, Howard is is sort of an enigma in the uh, police canine world. Is one of the only civilians that actually maintains these positions like he has. It's very unusual in, in the police dog world to see that. And Howard's maintained that position for a really long time, which speaks volumes about what you're putting out and doing for those agencies, though. Oh, I appreciate that. We like I like to think that we grow a culture. I want a particular culture that is centered around the canine unit and service. And I do sometimes have to remind handlers that they're police officers first, canine handlers second. And that's on many different levels. But 
you know, a, a young officer gets a new position, probably has aspired. And this is a very common theme is that many of the handlers that we we get, they got into law enforcement with the goal of being a canine handler. So once they have they've obtained that and then they realize that there's a whole lot more going on besides the dog. And, you know, I, th- I know at times it feels like the, the job gets in the way of the dog. <laughs> and but but you have to be mindful of the fact that, you know, the dog is just a tool to help other folks do their job well. As, and so, yeah, it's a, there's a lot of extra work, a lot of documentation. But yes, we like to like to think that we grow a culture and I like to think that we've had a positive impact on a lot of a lot of men and women over the years. And it's really neat to see them rise through the ranks and get promoted. And, you know, we hate to see them go. But that's kind of the reality is that they're not going to stay there forever, at least in the agencies like ours that are relatively small. Sure. Well, so, I mean, the good guys that is, like, we got to see some of those guys down there uh, at your birthday uh, that had been promoted or old canine guys that came in. And it was interesting to see the relationship that, you know, you'd formed years ago and it still existed. And it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, but but you also bring up a great topic that I, I think that is hopefully as we move through these podcasts that we get to discuss with more is that, you know, the dog is not a replacement for your tactics. Right. You know, it enhances your tactics. It is not a replacement for your tactics. And people get so caught up. The dog is the end all be all, whether that's in policing or, you know, especially in the protection world, you know, people selling these dogs. And so all you need is this dog. No, the first question you should ask is, what is your personal defense plan? How do you plan on protecting yourself? Because I promise you, your dog is going to fail. Your police dog is going to fail. They're going to miss things. They they lick their butts and they don't have thumbs. Uh, they're animals and they make mistakes. And uh, if you put your life on the line thinking that that room is cleared, and you're not going to clear it. That is a, a fatal error, my friend. So we Howard and I both love dogs, guys. So please don't don't beat us up too much over those comments. But, you know, you, you have to stay safe and you have to hone your own skill sets and tactics and make sure that that dog is an enhancement of what you're doing and not a replacement for anything uh, to keep yourself safe out there. I think there is at times people tend to think that a dog solves all problems. The reality is it doesn't. Many times that dog is putting you in more danger than you would be without it. But that's just a reality. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's the back in the day, you see these uh, even detection dogs that were they're dragging people to detection scenarios for cars. Or it's like, hey, you know, tell them to heal. I can't. It, it diminishes his drive. Well, well, how do you shoot with that dog? You know, how are you going to return fire if somebody jumps out of that car or somebody comes off to the side and attacks you now? What are you going to just let him just let the dog go and get him run over? Uh, it's definitely an old, old school misnomer. Absolutely. And but, you know, unfortunately, I, I heard it not too long ago, uh, <laughs> right up here in the big city of Louisville. So just just remember, folks, uh, <laughs> obedience, a good trained dog and, and your and your tactics is what gets you through. You, you are the leader of that of that team and you, you need to pay attention. Don't just rely on that dog 100% of the time, for sure. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm ready to get this thing rolling. Absolutely, Howard. I'm excited to talk about, talk to some folks. Uh, You know, we'll have to get on our, get off our butts here and make some phone calls and get some interviews going again and talk to some people. And, oh, and by the way, if anybody knows how to launch a podcast online, me and Howard could use your help. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Because we got some, we got some great ideas and having a lot of fun, but uh, technology is really whooped our butts. And I think that's been our, uh, 
hampered our, our forward progress with this whole thing. Without a doubt. We've been both been extremely patient. You've probably been more patient with me <laughs> than you should have been. <laughs> well, like you, I'm not in a hurry. You know, with, I'm fortunate that we, you know, we have a, a great dog training business up here in Louisville and our obedience business. Uh, you know, last year, I think we trained 906 dogs. Goodness. Uh, so we got a really good team in place and it's allowing me and affording me the opportunity to, to hang out with folks like you and do some seminars. And, and um, I think next, um, next weekend, the 15th, I'm heading to West Virginia for a, a civilian decoy thing for, for the, a few hours. And, and it's just afforded me the opportunity to do those things now. And it's just a, a great place to be in life. So, you know, all things happen in the right time. Big guy upstairs got a plan. We don't always listen to it. Certainly. Well, Howard, anything else you want to add? We're running right about 20 minutes. And we said we we're going to try to keep this one short. No, I, I don't think so. I mean, I, I think that uh, we'll certainly cover topics and we'll explore with formats as we go. We've got some folks lined up. We've we've actually reached out to people that are doing podcasts. So it's not like we've tried to wing this completely on our own. So we do have some resources, but we're going to get this thing up and running. Have some artwork for the podcast. So that's cool. Yeah, it looks really good. I thought it was really cool. Guy did a really good job. And I guess the uh, we didn't really say what it is when we started. This is the Working Dog Depot podcast. So if you go to workingdogdepot.com, uh, you, there's a tab there for the podcast. You can check out Howard and I's little bit of information and you know and what the podcast is and and uh, give us a listen. We really appreciate it. Whatever that is now, smash the like button. I'm not sure what that means, but we're, we'll, I guess we'll figure that out as it goes. <laughs> Absolutely, sounds good. All right, well, guys, thanks for listening, and just to all you, you know, Howard and I are huge proponents. You know, me being a, a prior law enforcement officer and Howard too, and and dealing with that, we want want you guys, to stay, gals out there, to stay safe. Thank you for holding the line and doing what you do. We really appreciate you out there, so you know we can get together and do things like this. So thanks for holding that line out there, and stay safe, and God bless you.